Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You have wandered aimlessly into the steam room, and we appreciate that. Hope you know what you're in for. Ernie Johnson and Charles Barkley, uh, season five of this podcast, and uh, <laughs> also on True TV. What do you? What? What are you? Why are you laughing uproariously? Because my friends make fun of me. Why? Because you know I always keep these yellow pieces of pads around the house. Yeah. And I write down stuff throughout the week that mm-hmm. I want to start with first of all. And now you can't. Read what you wrote. No, I can read it, but you know, most people are like, man, why don't you make like some classed notes or something? Well, you were reading them off your phone for a while. I was because I want to remember everything, but now I just write down a couple yeah. things. Hey, uh, on this uh, on this episode, uh, you will be treated to a conversation with Rex Chapman, the legendary. Uh, player at Kentucky who went on to an NBA career. Guy's been through some stuff. He's so open and upfront about it. Got a book coming out that he uh, One of my he favorite Seth people. Davis have collaborated on. And um, you will want to uh, listen to every second of that. Can't wait to talk to Rex again. Yeah. Uh, but it is first of all time. It is little, little yellow sheet time. Yes. Uh, I'm going to start with a sad note. One of my teachers from high school... Uh, junior high, passed away, Miss Hill. One of the greatest teachers. You know, I've had some amazing teachers. You know how I feel about teachers. Yes. There was two teachers at my school. There was a bunch of them. I'm going to mention some of them. Miss Hill and Miss Turk. Miss Hill passed away. Just a tremendous lady. Just want to say thank you for raising us all, helping all us kids. Now, what years are we talking about here with Miss Hill? I can't remember, Ernie. But you just remember she was one of your teachers. Did she teach everything, or was she a specific? She was a specific. But, you know, in my hometown, you go K to 12 together, so. At Leeds. At Leeds. So you go K to 12 together, so. What made her her special, Chuckster? She cared about you. She wanted to spend time with you. She, like, nurtured you. It was her and Miss Turk. We had two great coaches in my hometown, uh, Coach Honeycutt and Coach Copeland. They were tremendous. Coach Coach Honeycutt kept the gym open all the time in, in our neighborhoods. We have could get out of trouble on the weekend. And Coach Copeland taught me in high school. He was just an amazing people. You know, the, the principal was a guy named Jerry Oxford. He was amazing. Miss Robertson is still one of the greatest people I've ever met in my life. Uh, and and, and it, anybody in Leeds who's, who, who, who listened to the podcast it's really cool when you go K to 12 with the same people. Yeah. Because, like, you, I see these people when I go to Leeds all the time, and it's a really special. But, man, I, you know, I just love teachers. And I just want to give a shout-out to Miss Hill's family and let her rest in peace. And you know what, Chuckster? I always tell folks, too, that, that these days with social media um, and with some of the formats you have where you can keep up with some folks yeah. or maybe you've lost touch with people, one of the great things to do is reach out to an old coach, an old yeah. neighbor, an old friend. We talk about that all the time. Yeah, and say, yeah. and just reach out and say, hey, thank you. Yeah. I remember you, and it's been a long time, yeah. but thank you. It, I, it just means the world. It does. Miss Hill, rest in peace, and thank you. And Miss Turk, uh, Coach Honeycutt, Coach Copeland, thank you. Mr. Oxford passed away a long time ago. Miss Robertson passed away. But, man, we had some great teachers. And I just want to say thank you to all the teachers in the Lee School System. Yes. Uh, a couple get wells. Uh, Ryan Sandberg yeah. uh, is battling a form of cancer. Right. Uh, great guy. 
Got to know him well back in the day uh, in Arizona. Haven't seen him in a while. Saw the other day that he's uh, battling cancer. Ryan is a really, really good dude. Everybody know he was a great, great, great baseball ball player. player. But, man, what a really, really good dude. Yep. This is going to throw you off a little bit, Ernie. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin. Right. Uh, Auburn trustee before he became Secretary of Defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, get well soon. Uh, great man. Great man. What was throwing me off there? Uh, Secretary of Defense. Not, uh, that doesn't... Well, you Doesn't know, throw me it's off. just big, big time. Yeah, I know. Yeah, big time. Do you know him? I do. He oh, was, I, saw, okay. I saw him at every Auburn football game. Oh, so that Auburn tie. Okay, very you know, good. You know, you, know, you know what's really crazy about it? He is one of the most genuous, generous, kind, humble people I've met. He's like a retired four-star general. I just see him at all the Auburn football games. And I was watching TV like a couple years ago. And it said, President Biden nominates Lloyd Austin for Secretary of Defense. And I'm saying to myself, man, I heard that name before. And I'm like, it can't be the same guy. I mean, and lo and behold. Lo and behold, I call him. I, I, I said, I said uh, Lloyd, are you, did they just nominate you for Secretary of Defense? He said, yeah, Chuck, can you believe it? <laughs> and I was so proud because I knew he was a retired four-star general. And then to be, to know somebody I know who's on the Auburn Board of Trustees, grow, uh, be the Secretary of Defense, that's pretty special. Yeah, and um, obviously folks have uh, know his story li- recently in the news yes. with prostate cancer. Yeah, and so, I just yeah, want to wish him the best. Send him our He's best. a good man. Yeah. You guys know how much I love hockey. Me and Z. Michelle Zarzaka. Yes. I just call her Z. I know, but the folks out there need a little perspective. Okay. You know, they just think you're just... Saying letters. Okay. Well, the Edmonton. Michelle Zarzaka. Zarzaka. Long time TNT, TNT employee, but yeah. started in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Got some attitude. Back with the Atlanta Flames. Yep. Got some attitude problems with some of my, uh, some hockey players. Uh, so it's a little attitude adjustment needed by Z. She hates some hockey players. I'm not going to call names that I want to embarrass her. But. The Edmonton Oilers on a 14-game winning streak. They are flat-out balling. You know how much I love hockey? The Stanley Cup playoffs are the best event in sports. Uh, Better than March Madness? Yes. 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 Yes, because it's a one-and-done thing in college. To win the Stanley Cup is a big deal, obviously. You have to go too much, just like the NBA playoffs. To win the championship is yeah. a big deal. Good to beat a good team. Like the reason is different. You can have one good game in college and beat a good team. Mm-hmm. You're not gonna beat a good team four times, as but, you say. The uh, in a best of seven, the better team always wins. They do. Say. Okay, the better team always wins. So the Edmonton Oilers making first fourteen of all. games in a row. That's pretty impressive. Congratulations Thank to you. the Oilers. Yes, shout out, shout out to my boy John Cooper, the head coach of Tampa Bay Lightning. That's my guy. <laughs> okay, is, okay. Is that it for first of all? No, got one more. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm, I'm all sorry, in. I'm all in on the Detroit Lions. All right. I'm all in on the Detroit Live. All is is this all in? Well, you they, putting some of that down. I'm gonna put money on it. They hurt me in Game One against Tampa Bay. They didn't cover, but they were big last week for Chuck. <laughs> but I'm going with them. How big were they for Chuck? They were big. They won. <laughs> How and, big? And I'm going against my favorite player. My favorite player is Fred Warner, the linebacker of the San Francisco 49ers. He's my favorite football player. But I'm all in on the Detroit line. What's Lions. the line? What's seven. Seven out in San Francisco. Yes. Packers kind of scared San Francisco the other day a little bit. They did. Bit. Uh, they, they should. That was a heck of a game. But I'm all in. So last night on me and Gail's show, we got to interview Michael Keegan Key. Biggest Detroit Lions fan. He came on the show to talk about the Detroit Lions. He talked about, you know, We've been awful for 30 years. And I was like, 
I just love the story of Dan Campbell. You know, I got a, a yeah. yeah, I love Dan Campbell. Remember when everybody was laughing when he took the job and he came out with that press conference yeah. and he was, and they were, oh yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Well, and I'm, and I'm happy for Jared Goff. A step away from the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm happy for Jared Goff. They tossed him aside saying, hey, we can't win with you. And he's, uh, he's he made, he won, he got him to the Super Bowl one time. So, but now I'm happy for him, but I'm all in on the Detroit Lions. So that was on that show with Gail King and that dude? Yeah. Some dude. Some dude. Charles <laughs> Barkley, uh, Gail King, and some dude. So uh, that's it for first of all. Wow. Uh, hey, Ryan and, and, and Defense Secretary Austin, get well soon. Congrats to the Oilers for rolling. And roar, lines, roar. Wow, that's a quick recap. Of yes. That, first of all, that was a little lengthy. No, it, was, it was enjoyable. It was enjoyable. We're going to get direct. Relax, old man. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm not the only guy in this show, this show who's heard that, that phrase. Relax, old man. You're in a lot these days. We'll be back. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We welcome you back to the steam room. Yes. Um, you know who, who's always a good guest to have on? A guy it's always fun to talk to. One of my favorite people. Yeah. Rex Chapman. Yes. Man. Hilarious. Yeah, Rex has been on the pod before. Hell of a basketball player. Yes. Taking this game to the next level hey, with the social media. Yeah. Hey, uh, hey Rex, do you, re- do you recall from your last appearance here what the only rule of the steam room is? Uh, keep your uh, towel. Uh, keep your towel. Keep on. your towel on, brother. There you go, keep your okay. towel on. Right. That's the only right. reason we okay. got. Man, it's always good talking to you. How are you? You too, guys. I miss you. I miss you. Hope to see you in person soon. Yeah, that would be that would be great. How's life? Life's good. Um, I think uh, as good as it ever is. I'm 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 hanging in. My family's good. The kids are good. So everything's good. How How old are your kids now? Thirty one, twenty nine. 25 and 22. You got wow. any, you got any grandkids yet? No. Boy, oldest and three girls. Oh my goodness. No grandkids. I know you do. Yeah, Ernie and Clark Kellogg had told me having grandkids was going to be the greatest thing happening to me. And, you know, and it, I was right. And I and I was like, "Okay, I'm excited. I'm excited." <laughs> But Rex, I gotta tell you something, man. Ernie, I hate saying Ernie was right and Clark Kellogg was right. <laughs> it's the greatest thing ever, man. I want to see you with with the grandchild because I I bet it is. I bet you love it more than anything in life. And, well, and there's another level to it even now that, yes, that Chuckster is experiencing. I, I just told Ernie when I go see him now, he says, "Big Pop, Big Pop." He calls me by my name oh. now, like he's oh, oh my god, Ers, like. I can never hear enough Big Pop. I mean, it's the greatest thing ever. And he just yeah, he just did it like in the last couple of weeks. He's like, I'm like, what do he say? He says, he says, Big Pop. Will you come over now? He says, Big Pop, Big Pop. So Hey, uh, hey, uh, Rex, what you doing podcast wise these days? What's this thing you got going on talking about the uh, owners of sports teams? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I did a a guy named Rich Corson reached out to me a year more ago uh, with Smartless. You might know Smartless, Jason Bateman, Sean Hayes, and Will Arnett's podcast. Uh, they kind of did a couple spinoffs, uh, offshoots of their Smartless podcast, one of them called Owned. And uh, for the last year, we've done, 
I don't know, 30, 40 pods on different owners in the world. Doesn't have to be um, basketball, it could be uh, football, um, NASCAR, whatever it is. Uh, one of my favorite episodes, we had Russell Crowe on. Wow. The Russell Crowe. And uh, he, he bought his childhood dream rugby team back in the early 2000s from Rupert Murdoch for $3 million. The South City Rabbitohs. The Rabbitohs. Yep. That's exactly right. He's more passionate about that than winning Oscars, than doing movies. It was the most amazing interview. Anyway, they won the whole thing like 10 years after he bought it, and now the team's worth like $85 million. He's so proud of it. But it was just fun sitting, listening to Russell Crowe talk about sports because he loves it. He loves it like we love basketball. So I'll tell you a funny story about Russell Crowe. So about probably 25 years ago, I'm in Vegas for a big fight. And Eva Longoria and Mario Lopez says, why don't you meet, meet us for dinner? And I said, I would love to. So we go to dinner and Russell Crowe walks up. And he says, hey, good to see you again, Chuck. I'm like, damn, I met Russell Crowe before? <laughs> I would remember that. I, just, I says, hey, my man, no disrespect. It's an honor and a privilege to meet you, but we met before. He says, yeah, we met before. He says, I was a nobody. I came up to you in Seattle, and I said, hey, I just want to introduce, I just want to meet you. He said, you were a nice chap. <laughs> and I said, wow. I said, I'm glad I wasn't an asshole to Russell Crowe. <laughs> he did. He says, you, he says, you were a nice chap. And the reason I know the name of that team I said, it's an honor. He says, you should come visit me in Australia. And I said, Russell, you know you can't invite black people somewhere and they're not coming. <laughs> and I went to Australia to see the South City Rabbitohs play. South Sydney, right? So, so, uh, I thought, is it South Sydney? South Sydney, I think. Yeah. yeah. So to piggyback, and we had the greatest time, but to piggyback on Rex's thing, it was, this dude is so intense. We're sitting yeah. in a box with like probably 10, 15 people. He didn't pay us any attention. He stared there and watched the entire game. Like, he was, it was one of the most intense. I was like, well, he don't even know we're here now. <laughs> I mean, right. so I know he loves the sport. I mean, it he was sure it was really a cool thing. So uh, that's my Russell Crowe story. Well, you know, you know, I think yeah. Russell must have really enjoyed his time with Rex as well on that on that pod because then he he put on social media a, a very simple response: "Rex Chapman is the man." That's, <laughs> there you go. I really enjoyed meeting that's him. Just, it was pretty special. I yeah. did too. Yeah. I did too. And in fact, how that how that came about, he just randomly reached out to me. Um, I got a text message and I think he got my phone number from Luke Longley, to be honest. And uh, he just reached out, started, wanted my address, wanted to send me some Rabbitohs gear. And from there, I said, you know, I'm doing this pod. He said, I want to do the pod. So it was just, <laughs> well, that was a tough he's just an amazing, yeah, an amazing guy. Amazing guy. Hey, you know what? You brought up Eva Longoria. Yes. That was, and you know my my Eva Longoria story. I do not. The greatest random seat assignment in uh, in the history of air travel. <laughs> oh my goodness! When you sit yeah. next to her? Yeah, when we were we were during the playoffs, going from San Antonio to somewhere. You were an asshole, though, right? No, and I was sitting in. A, there was one seat left where we were, and I'm sitting there, and and who walks on to take that last seat? Eva Longoria. Yeah, but you weren't an asshole, right? No way. No, I was very respectful, and I just, I, hello, how are you? Of course Good. he was. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I wasn't but, going to, oh, I love the episode when, uh, you know. But, I, but Rex, <laughs> we've all been there when somebody wants to talk about your life story, what game you played, what's this guy like. I'm like, yo, man, I, I, I would never be rude like that, but I'm thinking to myself sometimes, man, shut the f*** up. Because I'm sitting there like, yo, man. Because, hey. you know, Rex, I always fly first thing in the morning. I always yeah. catch a six o'clock flight, and I really want to sleep the whole flight. But there's nothing worse. Well, what was Larry Bird like? Oh, he was <laughs> he was a great player. Yeah. What was Magic Johnson like? He was a great player. 
uh, you know, you know, I, I'm, I always wonder about, you know, Carl Malone and Patrick Ewing. I said, I wonder about him too, but not now. I want to sleep. <laughs> so I'm glad you wasn't you know, bugging. I'm no, glad you wasn't bugging Eva Longoria. No. no, you know, I've got a, I've got a, a similar story with uh, a person. I was flying. It was first class. It was a couple years ago. Early in the morning, I sit at my seat, and people are. I'm in row one. So as people are getting on, they can see me. There's a person sitting to my right. People are getting on and it's early. And I noticed a, a couple people recognized who I was and they start saying, you know, then other people are looking and I'm kind of in my head and I don't want to be a distraction. I've kind of got my head down and people are saying hi to me and I'm kind of getting bothered by it. And then somebody says hi to the person sitting next to me. And I kind of looked over at her and went, oh, okay. <laughs> and waited a couple minutes and said, hi, Sheila E. Oh. How are you? I'm a big fan. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then we talk basketball for the next four hours. She's a huge Golden State Warriors fan. I'm a huge Prince fan. We sat there and talked music and basketball it was the greatest thing ever. Anyway, she went up to me. She was way, way more famous. Yeah. Would you have talked for four hours about basketball to Sheila E. Or would you have slept? I would have slept. I would have said, "Hey." Sheila E, it's an honor and a privilege to meet you. Uh, continued success, but just, just going to bed. You know, it it is it is always funny when you when everybody walks by you and you're sitting in first class, because once one person, it's like they're waiting on somebody yeah. to say hello, and then all yeah. hell's gotta break loose. Because you know, in the, in the difference between me and Rex and Sheila E. Like, we're big guys, so everybody's going to notice you. But Sheila E. probably can do anonymity a little bit. Yep. Yeah, I mean, yep. remember when she was at a, she sang at an All-Star game a couple years ago, and every guy in the stadium oh. and it wasn't working was like, wow, she still looks delicious. I mean, she <laughs> yeah. still looks delicious. <laughs> That's what we were That's thinking. That's exactly about. what they were thinking. That's yeah. what I was thinking. Yeah. Hey, hey, so <laughs> so you and Seth Davis working on a book? Ooh, uh, yes, it's done, and uh, we've all you know we've all been interviewed. We've done interviews, Chuck. I know you've done them since you were a teenager, Ernie. You've been performing them forever and doing them. Um, I've never been. I don't think I've ever been more terrified to talk about something or more nervous to talk about something than this. Um, I, Simon and Schuster a couple years ago asked me to write a memoir and it was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. Just reliving a lot of the stuff, some bad decisions and yeah, but we, we, we spent a couple years really working on it and trying to, trying to be as raw and as honest as can be. And a lot of it isn't fun to talk about, but it's my story. And, and hopefully somebody will get something out of it. But did you feel a sense of relief talking about it? Because a lot of times when I've done things and made mistakes, you're like, I want to move on. I want to move on. Mm -hmm. But you need to take a step back and say, hey, you know what? I need to figure out why I did this. And yeah. when I got to that point, I was like, okay, I understand why I did it. I can't make that mistake again. So did you, when it was right. over, uh, did, did you feel a sense of relief? You know, I, I haven't really yet. I've been kind of going through that, as you guys know, you know, and I don't know about how you guys are with therapy and all that. I've done a ton of therapy and tried to get to the bottom of all those um, you know, factors that made me to led me to make the decisions that I made, uh, or that I've made in life. Um, I had a panic attack in college and, uh, it was not over basketball. It was over off court stuff. And I felt like I needed to go to the hospital. I was playing great. And I like, it was, it was not about basketball. And for a couple of days, I, I, well, I asked to go to the hospital because I felt I couldn't raise my arms. I woke up one morning and I just, I couldn't move. And I asked them to take me to the hospital. And this is in the mid eighties. And the coaches were like, well, if we take you to the hospital, the media is going to ask questions and all of that. They took me to a booster's house and I got over it in a couple of days. And I never thought about it again, ever. 
really until doing this book. And when all that happened about five or six months ago, I had another panic attack, only two in my life, just thinking about being young and, and being confused. And uh, so I haven't had that sort of cathartic release yet, Chuck. I'm hoping that it comes. Writing a memoir is very, as you guys know, I know, it can be tough. And, and you worry about, or I worry about friends and family and relatives and embarrassing them again or embarrassing for them for the first time. So it's just, it's been difficult. Uh, family, my kids. Don't, don't worry about embarrassing family, friends. Man, you can help so many people. You know, I, I think a lot of times when I'm sitting back watching, you know, Kevin Love talk about mental stuff, yeah. other guys, Naomi Osaki, I says, yo, man, everybody's going through shit. Yeah. The only thing is when you're in the limelight, more people know about your shit. Yeah. And myself, I've been through a lot. And it's compounded by yeah. bright lights, trying to play good basketball. And I'm like, yeah. well, and like, I feel the pressure. Like, yo, man, I'm going to get the blame if we don't win. Yeah. I like, because my, like, I actually thought I was drowning like my last three years in Philadelphia. Like, I know I'm a great player, but they say I suck because we're yeah. not winning. And I was like, I, I, I couldn't sleep. I was miserable to be around. And then I talk about this on the show all the time when I'm doing interviews. Like, all these jocks be pissing me off. Time, but I don't read the newspaper. I don't watch tele television. I'm like, shut the <laughs> hell up. What do? <laughs> of course you watch television and read the newspaper. And even if you don't, your family and friends are calling you. And so I, I, I sympathize, I understand, but I think it's a great thing you're writing this book for me personally because, man, there's somebody going to, first of all, you're going to have to do a lot of interviews mm -hmm. all over the country. Not only are you going to help jocks, you're going to help regular people because when you're doing some interview in some, you know, not even an NBA city, there's, there's somebody at home going to be like, yo, I'm going through some stuff. So man, don't yeah. feel ashamed. Don't like first of all, your family and friends should be like, yo, man, we're proud of you. Thanks. Thanks. You know, I I, I really do appreciate that, Chuck. And I, I I'm not sure a lot of people, for me, like you said it exactly right. I didn't I don't think I felt consciously felt pressure, but there was pressure. If I if I played bad in high school and college, we were gonna lose. If you played bad for the Sixers or the Suns or the Rockets, y'all were going to lose. I wasn't that, you know, that player at the NBA level. You were, and people don't understand that if you care, which you did, that's pressure. You put that pressure on yourself and you go out there and you try to perform no matter what. You know, I started, I didn't even realize how crazy this was until I started writing this book. In about third grade, my dad, so you you guys remember Jeff Jones that played at oh, Virginia yeah. mm -hmm. with Ralph. So he he was my dad's point guard on my dad coached high school basketball, and Jeff was his point guard for four years uh, at Apollo High School. So Jeff's like really one of my first my first heroes. Uh, third grade championship game, Tamarack Elementary School. We're going out for jump ball. It's in the morning, it's probably 10 a.m. And I go in the gym. It's a little gym. There's really not even places to sit. It's a cafeteria. And I look over and my dad has brought his whole team, his whole high school team over to watch my game. And I went out for jump ball and threw up right at the midcourt. And uh, they came out, cleaned it up. Big, I mean, big throw up. And they came out and cleaned it up. And I felt great after that and went out and we won. And my dad used to make himself when I, when he was coaching, he used to go in the, he talked to his team. 
go in the locker room or go in the bathroom, stick his finger down his throat and throw up. He would get so nervous. And so from third grade on, that's really what I did. Through my first two or three years in the NBA, I threw up every game before middle school, high school, college. Um, and if I was playing bad and I, a teammate might go, hey, did you throw up? Go back and throw up. So I always felt wow. better after yeah. I threw up. But throwing up all the time before you play, that's not normal. There's something going on there. I'm putting a lot of pressure on myself. I just never, like, I'd never paid any attention to thinking that that stuff was maybe too much. Maybe I'm, you know, maybe it's overkill here. I wish if I could go back, I wish I'd have started taking, going to therapy when I was 18, 19, 20 yeah. years old. Hey, you know, but. Rex, Seth Davis is one of my favorite people. I love working with him on, uh, on March Madness, love reading his stuff. He's a great writer. And I, so I'm, I can only imagine that as you guys are collaborating on this book, he's asking questions. Maybe he's, there had to be times where you thought, man, this, that's really going there. And, and, and if you were just doing it solo, maybe you wouldn't have gone that deep. Is that true? Yes. No question. And there were times during this whole thing where I, I would get so, I would just get so emotionally exhausted that we couldn't talk for a couple of weeks. Like I didn't want to talk to Seth. Uh, he could tell, you know, it was becoming, it was just painful. Um, a lot of the family stuff, a lot of the drug stuff. And you guys, you guys know pretty much everything. I think the scariest part is, you know, I've been sports famous for, since I was 15. Um, this is different. You're telling complete strangers um, you know, everything, pretty much everything about you. And Seth was, you know, when we set out to do it, I wanted to be as honest as I could, you know, as honest as I am when I'm talking to groups about recovery and, or whatever it is. And to do that, I know this, uh, you guys, when you set out as a kid, when I set out to play basketball, eight, nine, 10 years old, I wanted to be the best player in the world. And if I would have thought about writing a memoir at that age, it sure wouldn't have been this memoir, you know? Right, right, um, right. I, yeah, it would have been the one Grant Hill's writing or, you know, yeah, yeah. the, the all-American guy that, that just seems to have it all together on and off the court. I could keep it together on the court, but off the court, I was kind of a wreck. So how did you come up with Seth? Did you interview anybody else or you just hit it off with Seth? So I probably wouldn't have done this if Seth hadn't asked me. I, a couple years ago, a few years ago, it was during the pandemic and um, the George Floyd murder. And um, somehow Stephanie Rule with MSNBC got in touch with me and wanted to do a, I had written a, an op-ed um, and she asked me to come on and I get, Seth saw that piece. And he called me up and he said, Hey, you ready to change the world? <laughs> I said, what are you talking about? Yeah. That's said, Seth. I said, what are you talking about? And he said, well, I think you got a story to tell. And again, you guys know, you know, the people that we know, the people we know, mm -hmm. and I'm not sure there's anybody else that I knew that I trusted enough to let them know everything about me. And that the fact that Seth and I, like you guys said, you've worked with him, I've worked with him, we've become friends over the last few years. Um, going through this whole journey with him, I, it, it wouldn't have happened without Seth. Seth, is, Seth did the heavy lifting uh, and guided me through all of it. I love that dude to death. And the name, the name of the book, real quick. So the name of the book was supposed to be The King and I. The, <laughs> the, the uh, Simon & Schuster read it and said, no, it needs to be, it's hard for me to live with me. And apparently oh, that's, awesome. that's something that I said in the book and they went, yep. And when my, I told my mom what the name of that book was now, she went, yep, yep, they're right. Mm. They're right. Mm. So, <laughs> so let me ask you this question. You, when you make mistakes, 
you find out who your friends are. Yeah. Yeah. Who's, it doesn't have to be one person, but who's the one person that says, hey, I'm not going to give up on you. We're going to get through this. Who, 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 if it's one person or a couple of people, who are the people that said, hey, you know what? We're going to get through this. I think I'm really fortunate in this regard um, because when you think about it, most, most, well, most addicts, they end up burning everybody in their family. They end up burning most of their friends. They, you know, most don't travel outside of a 50 mile radius. Um, I, everyone from you two to Danny Ainge to Seth Davis to my friends growing up to my family, every one of them have said that to me. You're going to get through this. Keep your head up, hang in there. For whatever reason, I have a lot of really good friends and people who somehow still think enough of me to care about me. And that, I think that heartens me because it does somewhere, even as lost as I was at times, and I was lost for a good 14, 15 years, I must have treated people decently, um, even through those those periods, because there's been no shortage of people, Chuck, Ernie, who have put their arm around me, who have helped me both uh, socially, financially, uh, emotionally. I, I, I couldn't, it, it's another source of a little bit of shame because I feel that not every addict has that support. And I, I feel like it's been a little easier for me to recover and with a little bit more dignity than maybe some others are able to do at times, uh, just due to their circumstances. I just have tons and tons of friends and yeah. they've all, there've been almost nobody who's, who's given up on me. And, and that means the world. Well, one of the reasons I always reached out to you, you know, it's very personal. You know, I had a younger brother who died, who was an addict and I used to want to just punch him in the face. I'm like, yo, man, why can't you stop this shit? Yeah. I yeah. says, why can't you stop? And he would look at me like, you don't understand. I said, I don't, I, yeah. I said, first, you're pissing me off. I'm putting you in all these rehabs. You're driving my mom crazy. I'm trying to play in the NBA. And yeah. I, he's like, I can't explain it to you. He says, I really want to do better. I really want to quit, but yeah. it's just, and I said, man, you're killing our mom. You're killing mm -hmm. our mom. And like I say, dude, I put you in all these rehabs. It ain't working. And so yeah. I, that's why I say, yo, and he was, he explained, he says, it's so hard. I can't even explain it. And I was like, dude, just stop. Just stop. And, if only yeah. it were that easy, Rex. Yeah. If only it were that easy, but Chuck, you know, you, I've talked with you about this, you know, Isaiah's got, you know, addiction and Isaiah Thomas got addiction in his family. We've talked about this. Everybody's been, you know, just so open and honest. And it's, I never really understood it either. You know, I grew up my, there's a lot of mental health issues in my, in my family, a lot of addiction in my family, alcoholism, drug addiction. I never really knew that growing up. I mean, I knew people were drinking around me at Christmas parties and, and everybody was fun and all that. It was just sort of dumb luck that I didn't do that. You know, I, I thought if I, man, if I drink or if I smoke or what, I'll probably really like it and that'll take over my life. Somehow I kind of knew that. And so the second when I, when I finished playing, doctor prescribed me Oxycontin. I took that. And in two days I knew I was in love. It was mm -hmm. the greatest thing I've ever had. I felt smarter, funnier, better, better dad, better husband. <laughs> the biggest lie in the world in a year and a half, I was taking within a year and a half, I was taking about 10 Oxycontin and 40 Vicodin in a day. Wow. The only reason I'm alive is probably because I didn't, I, I didn't drink. I wasn't a drinker. And uh, had I mixed that in, I, I definitely would have, would not be here. So anyway, I kind of started rambling, but that's what no, I do. No, nah, man, hey, Rex. What, Rex, what you're saying is, man, I'm telling you, you know, buried my brother at 40. Like my mom never really got over it. 
So, man, I number one, I want to thank you for being on the podcast, but I want to thank you for writing the book because not only can you help professional athletes, you can help regular people. And I don't mean to separate the two. There's somebody yeah. going to see there's somebody going to see this podcast. There's somebody going to see you on another show cuz you know, I've did the book tour. You're going to have to go it's going to go around the country, go yeah. around the world. Yeah. So I really number one, I appreciate you because you don't have to feel no shame or, or no, or, you know, or, or guilt or anything. Like, hey, dude, we've all screwed up. We've all ain't no perfect people out here. You know, that's the thing that drives me crazy, especially in my job. To be honest with you, I never want to go on TV and criticize a guy when they screw up. But that's that's, right. that's part of the gig. Right. That's part of the yeah. gig. And ain't no perfect people out here. But I really want to thank you for sharing. Because man, anybody who's who's got a family member, they need it, man. They need and like I say, I love the fact that you say, you know, I had so many people who didn't give up on me, yeah. and and so man, thank you, uh, thank you. It'll be what Seth said it was going to be, Rex. It's going to change. It's going to change the world for a lot of people. And uh, thanks, thanks for uh, uh, thanks for being so honest. Um, thank you. Hey, coming up next month, uh, there's a basketball game. Kentucky versus Auburn, February 17th. Where's the game at? February 17th. Where's the game at? At Auburn. Oh, they got an ass kicking coming. They got an ass kicking coming. No chance. Y'all on a. Wait, are y'all on a two game losing streak? No, because they beat Georgia, then they lost to South Carolina. One. One game at South Carolina, a bunch of freshmen on the road in the SEC for the first time. We're about to smack y'all, Chuck. And I'm telling you, we we go 10 deep. We go 10 deep, and we got maybe. You know we're five first rounders. You know we're the number eight ranked team in the country right now, correct? And Kentucky's six. Yeah, yeah, I know. But we're playing a game at Auburn. Now we lost a heartbreaker to Alabama last night. We lost a heartbreaker mm-hmm. last night. But the thing is, so I'm, I'm starting to get ready for March Madness. You said Kentucky, they just bought uh, a, a kid out, the seven-two kid out, who played great in game yep. one, didn't play good in game two. But I've watched the top ten teams play. There's no great team. There's no great team. I've watched the number one team, number two team play like three times. Like, oh, and they, they lost a couple of those games. But there's no, it, this is going to be one of the best Mars Madnesses ever. Yep. I mean, because I'm excited. I agree you with say that. that every year, though. No, no, no. Yeah, you do. But, I agree but, with but there's the tournament's going to be great this it, year. It, it, it always well, is. Well, first of all, the tournament's always great, but there's always been like, oh, that don't, there's a couple teams that are better than everybody else. There's no right. team I've watched play this year that you think can't be beat. They, they can't be beat. Yeah, very good. Yeah, yeah, I, hey, I would agree with that. Yes. Hey, hey, Rex. Uh, yep. Not to add, not to put another thing on your plate, because um, <laughs> I know you're a busy oh, guy and you're always on social and that kind of thing. But but your mm-hmm. boy Jason Sudeikis, aka Ted Lasso. Uh, you know how much yeah. I love. Ted Lasso, and I yeah. know how tight you are with Jason Sudeikis. What is, is, is there a story there? Is there something keeping him from being on the pod here? Um, okay, so I'm glad you brought this up because we're just going to put him on blast right now. He He's the best guy in the world, um, Jason Sudeikis, Ted Lasso, SNL, all of that. Um, he's he's uh he's very different in private than you would see him on tv and he doesn't love doing all this stuff last message i sent him was about two weeks ago saying hey ernie's trying to get in touch with you wants to talk to you i assumed that meant he knew that he said does he want to talk to me or does he want to have me on or what and i said i need to put you with ernie and you guys can figure that (laughs) well tell him we want him on so please, I know. Do that. I'm telling him. Yeah. You guys tell him you want him on. I think what I'm just going to do, I'm just going to put the four of us in a group text, and you guys take it from there. Well, How's well, that, that I, would be awesome. Well, that, I want to say this: that would be a you. step in the right direction. That's the, it, I got you. The difference between me and Ernie, he wants Jason Sudeikis on. I want Hannah Waddington on. <laughs> I, 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 I want Waddington on I, I have too. A, I have a thing for her. Like, I love this show. I know you do. But I have a thing for Hannah Waddington. 
It's good to know. Yeah. So you, she's awesome. That whole cast is, re, is ridiculous. The whole cast good. is yeah. amazing, but I'm telling you something. It would be great stuff to talk to Jason Sudeikis about if yeah. we could ever make this happen. Yeah. So you, I tell it you. would. And you know what else? You know what else about him? Basketball nut. And the reason yeah. I, like, he played. He played growing up. Like, he, he really tried to be a serious basketball player, guys. He played AAU with the Rush kids, Jerron Rush, Brandon Rush, those kids in St. Louis in, the, in Missouri that went to UCLA. He took it really seriously. Lefty, point guard, played D3 ball, flunked out his freshman year. Uh, coach told him, look, you're going to sit out next year get your grades right. He was devastated. Like he, he takes it really seriously. And I, I love him to death, even though he is a, a Kansas fan. Hey, so I, I, I want to ask you this earlier when we were talking about basketball, what's mm -hmm. it like playing, being the, obviously one of the most highly recruited players ever playing at Kentucky. What's the level of like, cause like I was so honored to be honest with you, the first time we went to Rupp Arena, I felt like I was going to church. I was like, yeah. wow. How do you I, know what that's like? Uh, well, I heard through the grapevine <laughs> and, you know, what church was like. <laughs> no, because, like, you hear your whole life, Rupp Arena. Yeah. They were ranked number one pretty much all three years I was in college. They, we beat them. Yeah, we actually right. beat them at Rupp Arena when they were ranked number one. It was, like, one of the highlights of my college career. Going, being as great as you were, what's the pressure like being playing at Kentucky? You know, I, I don't, again, I don't know that I really felt, I, I think, Chuck, for really good players at, at the level anyway, you know, if you can do it, you can do it. I, I didn't really feel like the pressure on the court was going to get me. I'm playing against whoever I'm playing against and, you know, I was normally better than they were in college. So that part of it, I was able to do that. It was, it was the other part. And I know you guys know this and I'll bring it up. Cause I've got a question to ask you, Chuck. Like, so when I was a teenager, um, my first kind of high school sweetheart, my first love, she's, she's black. Her name's Sean Higgs. We're still very good friends. And we dated from like age 16 to 23, but people didn't like it. And I was constantly being told that I shouldn't be doing that by people at the university. And uh, that's what caused my panic attack because I got to Kentucky. I'm scoring, I don't know, 18 points a game as a freshman and things are going just fine. And I got called into the office one day and was told, you know, hey, man, you need to be careful about who you're seen with. And, you know, we don't care about it, but other people might. And I was very, very confused and very angry. I was very angry. And I, but I didn't know, I, I like, I didn't know what to do. And so we hid and um, we did that. And then when I got to Charlotte, the new owner of the Hornets asked me if I had a black girlfriend. And I said, and we were broken up at the time. And I said, no, but if I do, and that makes me a bad guy, then I guess I'm just a bad guy. And he got real defensive and said, no, well, you know, no, we, we live here in the Bible Belt. That's not what I'm saying. And I'd never heard the term Bible Belt before, <laughs> yeah. but I kind of put it together. And so I, I think the pressure from that standpoint, I, I was very I was just very confused. I never thought about the stuff when I was on the court, but I thought about it all the time when I was off. And I think during that time, I, I started really... I probably had always suffered from depression somewhat, but that really sort of kicked it in. I found myself sleeping a lot during the day and waiting for practice, waking up, going back to sleep, go to class, come back, sleep. You know, I couldn't really get into bars and stuff because I was underage. When my teammates could, they would be like, Rex, if, if, we, let, if we let you in here, cops will come and they'll shut us down. So I didn't really feel that pressure, Chuck, on the basketball court. Also, I didn't grow up dreaming of going to Kentucky. I grew up dreaming of going to Louisville. Daryl Griffith was my hero. Uh, Poncho Wright, the, the McRae brothers, um, all of those guys. That's who I grew up watching. And I had, I mean, I was going to Louisville. And at the last second, Joe B. Hall resigned. I wasn't going to go play for Joe. I liked Joe a lot. Um but they hired Eddie Sutton. I knew Eddie had 
you know, had coached Sidney Moncrief, Alvin Robertson, Daryl Walker. And he came in. I decided to go to Kentucky. And then when I got there, and this is, I'm not breaking any news. My whole freshman year, Eddie, Eddie was really, he had a really bad alcoholism problem. And so that stuff was very tough for all of the players and whatnot to negotiate, but I'm dealing with some other stuff too. So it was just, and I'm 18, 19 years old. I was just very confused, very angry, um, trying to pretend like I'm enjoying my college experience. Um, yeah, it was just a, a real confusing time. My, the question I wanted to ask you, Chuck, is we didn't even know each other. And I come out for the draft, and there's an article in the Philly, Philly paper. You guys have the sixth draft, and I, I grew up a Sixers fan, Dr. J, Mark Ivoroni, Moses, all those guys. And somebody asks you, you're like in the playoffs, you know, who do we need? And you're like, I hope we draft Rex Chapman. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Fast forward a year or so, I'm a Converse guy. You're a Nike guy. We Rex, play against each other. Rex, I'm looking for help. I asked you I'm looking for help, Rex. I, I, asked you, I asked you to come to my house, my camp, and you came to my camp. You spoke in Owensboro, Kentucky. We went out a couple nights. Why did you come? Why did you like me? Why? What? What was it? You know, you, you, you talk about racism, the, the, the thing I love the most about sports, when you're around the white guys and the black guys, we don't give a shit what color you are. Yeah. You know, my best friend from high school is a guy named Pep Mock. And he, he was a, he'd been a pilot his whole life. I love that dude like a brother. I trust him more than anybody probably in my life ever. Yeah. But... That's the thing I love about sports. And man, I don't care what color you are. I just I just want if you hey, we just great bas we want great basketball players. And you are a great player. And I I, I cuz I'm watching it, you know the really cool thing about my life now, I tell people, the two coolest things I've did in my life are the Olympics and now March Madness. Because NBA players we watch on like we don't even well I'm so old it was no games on but right, you watch right. college games every night that you yeah. n when you're not playing so we followed a college game and March Madness we built our whole day around March yeah. Madness <laughs> like we just like it's we're not doing anything today except watch college basketball especially until unless we got a game that night but you watch so I'm a I was a, a fan when you ask me to come uh, to your camp, I'm like, hey, man, I, it would be cool. Uh, uh, and, and, you know, man, in Kentucky, I, I tell you, man, get, growing up, Kentucky and Louisville, UCLA, yeah. Kansas, those, uh, I'll tell you what, one of the hot, remember, like, the, the Big East. Like, when, yeah. you're, when you're a young kid, man, the Big East, like, we're not doing anything on Monday night. We're watching Big Monday. Big Monday. Big Monday. We're watching Georgetown and Syracuse play. St. John's. Pearl Washington. Pearl Washington. Yep. Uh, you know, uh, Jim Beheim, obviously, John Thompson. I mean, yep. so I was a fan. That's why I, I liked you as a player. When you asked me to come to your camp, but to point out yep. the reason why, man, that's the thing I love about sports the most. You have to worry about racial bullshit when you not playing. But when right. you on that court, you pass the ball to white guys, black guys, we celebrate together, we're trying to win together. And that's always, when I'm with the other brothers, because we're very aware, aware that racism exists. Uh, uh, well, unless you're Nikki Haley. Um, <laughs> but when you talk to black football players, black basketball players, black baseball players, they're like, yo, man, this dude is one of my guys. Right. They can be white, they can be Hispanic, they can be Asian. We don't care. That's the beauty of sports. You know something, Rex? We've, um, 
we've had this pod for five years now. We've got, what, about 110 episodes in or something Seems like longer sometime with you, Ernie. But you know what? I know it does. <laughs> but that's the greatest question I've heard in the five years we've been doing this. When you looked at Charles what? Barkley and said, why did you like me? I love that oh, question, yeah. man. It was just... Oh. But that's the you know, beauty, and, and I love the answer. But that's and the beauty of sports, I, man. It certainly is, it Rex. Is. It's it uh, man. It's just a. It's just an honor every time, and and look, anytime it's you get friends together just to talk, no script, no agenda. It's awesome. Yeah. I feel that way every time it we is. we get a chance to hang with you. And I'm proud of you, too. brother. I'm yeah. proud of you, man. Proud hey. of you. Thanks for being so honest, yeah. and thanks for, uh, man. I can't wait to read the book. Um, but in the Thanks. meantime, folks who have listened to this pod, I think, man, everybody can everybody can get something out of this conversation. We appreciate you, brother. I appreciate you. I want to add one last thing, very quick, and yeah. and it's this: um, there's a there's a passage in the book. I wish I could find my phone right now. I'd read it to you. Anyway, it starts talking about TNT. Man, I talk about working there at, at Turner. And at one point I just say, and I'm not just talking about the on-air talent. I'm talking about the people in the studio, the cameramen, the crew, everybody at Turner. They come from every race, uh, ethnic background, socioeconomic background, uh, gay, straight. It's like walking in the doors at Turner is like walking into what you hope America would be. Wow. It's just the big, it's a yeah. family atmosphere and you guys really live it and it's just a, it's just the most beautiful place to work so uh, we're i can't thank you guys enough for the family and the camaraderie but i just want people to know that what you guys are doing there in that building every damn day and night is sowing love and uh and goodness so thank you brother guys. appreciate thank you, you brother man. appreciate that's you why, brother that's why i've been walking through that door for 35 years man yeah. It's a family. Sir. Yep. Yes, sir. Thank you, brother. Thanks, man. Thank you, guys. Right. Love you. Love you. Wow, that was great. That was really good, Ernie. Chuck and Ernie in, in steam room. room. Come and join us in steam room. Chuck and Ernie in steam room. Leave your towel on in steam room. Chuck and Ernie in the steam room. Chuck and Ernie in the steam room. Leave your towel on in the steam room. Chuck singing along with Chuck yes, singing yes. along with the uh, with the theme uh, to the steam room, which we uh, in the last segment we hit uh, Chuck's answering machine. The number is four zero four nine eight seven three zero zero three. No, 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 no. Just nine eight seven zero three three zero. Okay, there you go. Three yeah. calls. Here's number one. Hello, world. This is Charles Barkley. Leave me a message. Hey, Chuck and Ernie, this is Loyal Steamer Justin from Washington State. And I just got done listening to last week's episode and the interview with Coach Cower. And so I have a comment for Chuck and a question for Ernie. The comment to Chuck is, Chuck, those were amazing questions that you were asking, Coach. I was so impressed by the depth of the questions. Just the, the way that you were asking them was so amazing. And I really appreciate it. It was a great interview. And so the question then is for Ernie. Ernie, what has it been like to watch Chuck develop as an interviewer over the years, knowing him so well from uh, what he did on the court, but then also seeing him grow in this other area of his professional career? Thanks so much, guys, for all that you do. It's been especially gratifying. Uh, he's he's learned very quickly from all the things I've taught him. No, <laughs> no, look, that's Chuck. Chuck loves to talk. Love Chuck loves people, yeah. and when you love people and you want to and you want to get to know about them. You just naturally kind of ask no. good questions, yeah. and and that's kind of that's, that's what you do. And also, thanks for being a law steamer. One of the great travesty in sports is the Seattle SuperSonics not being in Seattle. There you go. It's a travesty and a disgrace that we don't have an NBA team in Seattle. Thank you. Call two. Hey, Charles and Ernie, this is Kyle from Montana. Just wanted to know your guys' morning routine. I know there's a lot of meditation cold plunges, saunas, smoothies, intermittent fasting going around and just seeing what you two fellows are up to in the morning. Love the pod. Love you guys. Thanks for everything. Do you have a morning routine? Yeah, I got a really bad morning routine going on right now. First thing I do is whenever I wake up, 
I drive to the store and get me a big gulp yeah, uh, and get my first Diet Coke of the day and one of that big. Before you do anything else. Before I do anything else, I drive to the store and get my big, I get the biggest cup they got. Then I get like three or four Diet Cokes to make sure I got, they're going to last me a couple hours. It's a really bad habit, but that's the first thing I do in the morning. I like to have a cup of coffee and stay in bed for a little while and watch the news. No, I don't get, I don't jump right out of bed and, and start the day. Yeah. It's like, it's like sometimes it feels too good to sit there and then get a, get a cup of coffee and, and catch up. I watch CBS mornings in the morning. There you I'm go. Shout out early. to Gail. And I always, uh, and I DVR it too. So if I, if I get up a little late, I just go back to the beginning of it. You know, I hate the DVR thing. It's a, I'm I never because you don't understand it. I but don't understand it. And it's our, DVR, you can watch the whole show even if you're not there. You can watch it later. No, nah. that's what you. That's what you do. Yeah. Call three. I'm not going to explain it. <laughs> Charles, what's up, Charles? Listen, I'm just curious. Have you ever thought about giving Shaq credit for the steam room? Because basically, he probably asked you where you got your bracelet from, and you told him the steam room. And if he never asked you that, and him going to Kenny saying, "Ask Charles where he got the bracelet from on TV," at that. So if Shaq never asked. That question, y'all would never have a podcast over 100 episodes, have plenty of people on your podcast and all that. Yeah, that's what we need to give Kenny and Shaq some more credit. First of all, we had the podcast, we started the podcast during the pandemic. Yeah, but so, but, but the reason we called it the, the steam, steam room is because oh, yeah. Kenny or Shaq, I said, where'd you get that bracelet? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and that, first of all, that was stupid on my part to tell them something like that. Yeah, we just would have called it something else. We yeah. just happened to call it. But yeah, we would have had a podcast. Yeah, we would have yeah. had, had a podcast. Yeah. And first of all, yo, my man, I don't know where you're from. We're not giving Shaq and Kenny no credit. Yeah. And that's not going to happen. No, we, we give them credit for a lot of stuff. Yeah, but, but not this. And we draw the line. Come yeah. on. Come on, man. Exactly. Stop it. Now. Oh, Good for the soul. Yes. EJ is good for the soul. I think that would be a great way to end the show. Love that idea. Good idea, Ernie. A toast <laughs> to my big brother, George, the richest man in town. So I had a, I had a, a good for the soul kind of Wednesday. So this is going to be kind of uh, personal and at the end kind of, kind of deeply personal. So I went to Athens yesterday, uh, home of the University of Georgia, my alma mater. So the day started great because I went to Biddy and Bo's coffee shop. Biddy and Bo's Coffee, which uh, um, adults with disabilities oh. run the place. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and it's, a, it's just a wonderful place to go to. And I just like hanging there sometimes, get my coffee, hang out, talk to the gang who's, uh, who's working it. So Athens has it, Biddy and Bo's Coffee, good way to start. Then I went over to the, uh, the house of Lauren Smith. You know Lauren Smith, who was the first sideline reporter ever at Georgia. Really? Yeah, and was still was working with Larry Munson for years. Hey, Lauren. I know Larry. Got? I knew yeah. Larry Munson. Yeah, and and so Lauren's in his eighties now, and he's still doing interviews and that kind of thing. So he he asked me to come to his house and record like a thirty minute interview with him about my days at Georgia and that kind of thing. So that was awesome. Number three, um, Di Gamma Kappa is the uh, professional. Uh, broadcasting society, and they saw fit to honor me uh, with an award yesterday, which was very nice of them. Um, and I had a chance to teach a class yesterday uh, to current University of Georgia journalism students. And that's always good for the soul for me because I love sharing. It, the same was done for me when I was a student. Mm -hmm. You know, people in the business Coming to, to come into class and you can fire away, ask them questions. Uh, so we did 90 minutes of that. It was awesome. Wow. Kevin Harlan joined by Zoom to talk about how he prepares for games and that kind of thing. So it was this wonderful Good for the Soul day. And then it concluded with dinner at one of my f favorite places in Athens, 5 and 10. And Cheryl drove up from our house. 5 and 10. 5 and 10 is what it's called. Great, great food. And so Cheryl said, you know what we should do? We should, Wednesday when you're in Athens, I'll drive up there when you're done with everything and we'll, um, and we'll have dinner. I said, great. And, um, and this is what's really good for the soul is that you know what, what we've been through the last few years. Yeah. Right? Losing Michael, losing my mom, losing my sister. And um, at that dinner... We just sat and talked about stuff we haven't talked about. Mm. 
and we came to the realization that we we're both trying to be so strong for each other that we wouldn't bring stuff up. Yeah. And it was just this breakthrough dinner where yeah. we, where it was like, this is how I feel when I think about Michael. This is how I feel when I talk about my sister, about my mom. And, um, and she did the same. And it was all the stuff that had been unsaid. Mm. And it took about 500 pounds off of me. And her too. It was like we both looked at each other and said, man, where has this been? And so my encouragement to folks who were listening, and there's nothing, you know, if you've lost a child, I'm not telling you anything new how difficult that is, but if you make the mistake as we have of kind of internalizing this and saying, right. you know, I'm just going to be tough. I'm going to show this, this great exterior. And I'm, then that's going to snowball and it's going to be difficult. So my, my encouragement would be make the time, have those conversations, go there. Yeah. Even when you feel like you don't need to go there or yeah. maybe you're afraid to go there, but go there because it's good for the soul. And that's it. Good job, brother. I appreciate you. Good I appreciate, job, brother. Appreciate Cheryl Ann for 41 years and uh, appreciate that dinner. That's all I got. That's, and that's all we That's got. a good way to finish up, brother. Man, what a great show. Yeah. Rex Chapman. Yeah. Awesome. We love you, Rex. We certainly do. And uh, we appreciate you all listening, watching. and uh, They can watch now. Yeah. I and, wonder if I'm as good looking on True TV as I am on TNT. No. See you next week. <laughs>